You are Locked On Falcons Postcast, part of Locked On Atlanta on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, everyone, to another Locked On Falcons Postcast with myself, Aaron Freeman, host of Locked On Falcons, joined by Jarvis Davis of Locked On Sports Atlanta. Unfortunately, Tanitra Batiste is dealing with some technical difficulties. Uh, let everybody know, you know, she needs that 5G on her phone uh, to get in on today's episode, but we we will we will uh go on without Tanitra to talk about this uh disappointing loss for the Falcons losing 31 to 28 to the Josh Dobbs led Minnesota Vikings and we'll get into you know how did the Falcons lose to Josh Dobbs and how did the Falcons not necessarily um you know they got a little bit of a boost I guess you could say Jarvis from the quarterback change but it, it didn't feel like the quarterback had a whole lot of responsibility for the uh, 28 points at the Falcons, but I'll, I'll give you the floor, Jarvis, to talk about that in a second. But first, I want to let you guys know that today's episode of this postcast is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs, who can help you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. So, Jarvis, let's talk about the quarterbacks. Josh Dobbs did his thing. Taylor Heineke did something. What, 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 what were your thoughts on on the Falcons quarterback as well as the Vikings quarterback? Yeah, like when you think about like the way this game, how this game kind of played out, you know, like to be honest with you, like Jaron Hall kind of got off to a, a decent start too, right? And I think overall the, the biggest issue for, for me is that Josh Dobbs was allowed to be comfortable. Like he sat back there. You, there were times where he was just sitting back there patting the football. He was able to roll roll out, you know, to his right and and take off and, and get first downs with his legs. And you know, there was allowed to break contain for us. Like like time you saw the adjustment by the defense uh, a little bit later on in the game to kind of do like a kind of like a mush rush type situation where they kind of wait for him to kind of make a decision. But it it was just truly unfortunate. And, and then when you have Taylor Heineke come into play as far as playing quarterback for the team, this is – the offense just looked – let me say this. It looked awful. I mean, like the, the offense was awful. Like when you get – when your defense gives you the football on the one-yard line, the one-yard line, and you struggle, the first play, penalty, Chris Lindstrom, what is going on with you? Like, like just mental stuff, just ridiculous stuff. And then you decide to, hey, let's do a jet sweep with John Smith on the goal line. And and on top of that, how about this? Let's ask Kyle Pitts to the block, Daniil Hunter, who's this leading sack getter in the entirety of the NFL. Yeah, let's do that. That makes all the sense in the world. And it was just play after play. Like decision after decision, then you do the screen, like for well, minus four, minus five yards. It's just this offense just had no flow, no rhythm to it. And they just figured it seemed like they just fell into points. And most of the time it was field goals. Yeah. Um, it, you know, for those of you who missed it, Josh Dobbs came into this game on the third series after the Falcons knocked Jaron Hall out of the game with a concussion. Um, and Josh Dobbs got off to a rough start you know he turned the ball over a couple of times uh, both teams turned the ball over twice in this game and it feels like the difference between the final outcome 
is the Falcons only scored six points off of the two turnovers and the Vikings scored 10 points off of the Falcons, two turnovers in the second half. And as Jarvis said, you know, after that fumble uh, caused by Arnold Ebiketti, uh Lorenzo Carter brought it down to the one yard line and the Falcons had multiple opportunities to score and they couldn't uh, and they had to settle for a field goal. And, um, you know, it feels like, yeah, you just, as you said, Jarvis, just not a great day for the Falcons offense um, in this one, even if you look at the final scoreboard and and see 28 points. But, of course, now we have Tanitra in here to to kind of save us from ourselves. <laughs> no, actually, Same it was here. It was what I was expecting. No, it was what I was expecting because my first thought was when I saw that score, I said, I cannot wait. And listen, guys, I thought this was going to be my question whether the Falcons won or lost, because I thought it was just not a well-played or well-coached game. So if it's okay with you guys, I want to kind of go back to a couple of things you said, J.D., and kind of hear you add in free, because I want to maybe start back at the coaching. This is not a conversation that we have a lot of times questioning some of the calls that were made by Arthur Smith and his staff. So let's go back to that. How impactful was that from the start of this game to the finish? with the play calling or lack of maybe sensible play calling in critical moments that we saw from the staff today. Yeah. That, that series that Jarvis is talking about where you had it at the one, you get the false start, you run the ball on a jet sweep to John Smith. I'm like, you know, people have been clamoring for the Falcons to run the ball in the red zone all year long and they finally do it. And they do this little, you know, John play. And it's like, Hey, you know, and John made some plays today. He had, a, he had, a, he, he sure. later in the game, but like that's not the John who plays that you're you're looking for. Just run the ball, and then you run it to Tyler Algier the next play, and he gets blown up in the backfield. And like this to me is speaks to, I think some of the issues that the Falcons are dealing with, which is like they don't have that sort of physical element to their game to their offense as consistently. We saw at the end of the game where the sort of game-winning drive, they just basically are like, we're going to take the ball out of Taylor Heineke's hands and just give it to Tyler Algier and Bijan, and that was effective. But up until that drive, the Falcons just did not have that sort of physical element. And then, you know, when you talk about the questionable coaching, you know, I think you got to talk a little bit about, you know, the decision to, to switch to Taylor Heineke. Like, he wasn't awful in this game, but it didn't feel like the Falcons got the uh, – adrenaline shot that they were looking for from Taylor Heineke with a, a a bunch of passes where you know that could have easily been interceptions he could have thrown probably like three picks in this game um so it, it just and then like a lot of the big plays that they had were you know that touchdown to Jonu Smith where basically the Vikings went with their cover zero blitz and and so Jonu breaks one tackle and he's off to the races for a 60-yard touchdown which I think was the first uh, explosive touchdown that the Falcons have had in 16 games. I looked it up that, that for more than 20 yards uh, where they score from outside the red zone. Right. And, and that kind of speaks to the struggles this offense. Like I, I looked it up going back a decade, like they'd never gone like more than like four or five games without getting one of those explosive touchdowns. And they've gone a, a full season's worth of games since the last time they got one of those last year against Carolina. So Jarvis, I'm going to ask you if I can have a little bit of privilege because I think Aaron just hit on something that we may want to say for the deep dive, and that is the question around whether or not 
we started the, the call last week. We'll finish it today. Whether or not it was the right call to go with Taylor Heineke. And I'm going to throw you guys a little bone that I think you're going to want to chew on in that deep dive around where do you go from here with Des Ritter and where should you or could you have gone with him today as well. But before we go there, before we're going to deep dive a little bit more, kind of want to hear your reaction to everything else that Free said, JD. And we'll take that other part into the deep dive. Yeah. Um, this is like, this is a, a just a struggle because when you talk about that physicality that that we saw last year, right? We saw the offensive line, but we saw how this running game was one of the better running games in the entirety of the NFL. And when Indeed. You, it's just, it's just hard for this offense to function without the running game. Like it, you don't, because one, you don't have the quarterback to run it, whether that be a development issue uh, or, or Desmond Ritter, and you probably put a little bit too much stock into him and not really, and kind of was kind of blinded by, you know, uh, his his capabilities and what he can do as Q, QB1, or you put a little bit too much stock into your offensive line as far as, hey, Let's go ahead and, and you know, uh, let's bring Caleb McGarry back, even though we know he has his issues. Like, he had his issues in the run game, too. Everybody's talking yeah. about, oh, yeah. yeah, he's a great run blocker. No, he's not a great run blocker. He's a, he's a fine run blocker, and he's a terrible pass protector. And we saw that come to fruition today, too, as well. And those are some of the things that, like, kind of go into – why this offense isn't functioning. And I think it's a matter of regardless of who's that quarterback, and I know you said we're going to get into it, but I feel like I have to bring this in to, to, to make my point. Like, regardless of who's that quarterback, if you're not running the football in, in an Arthur Smith-led offense, a Arthur uh, from a schematic standpoint, by Arthur Smith calling plays, it, it, this offense just had looked ragged. It's looked ragged. And, and time and time again, when when they struggle to run the football, you can count, you can put bet your dog on money that this offense is going to struggle. Indeed, indeed. And there's some comments, guys. There's some fired up fans in that comments box. And we're going to get to those guys in a minute and definitely going to talk a little bit more about some of these O-line struggles in the deep dive, including a question I have for you guys on Chris Lindstrom. But before we go there, let's talk a little bit about LinkedIn. So we know that the Falcons' success depends on who they put around their quarterback on their team, and they got to reach their goals with uh, hiring the right people. And certainly I think a lot of people question whether or not they've hired the right people, but you don't have to worry about that because you can go to LinkedIn Jobs and quickly attract the qualified candidates and hire the folks that – you want that you can match with with the right skills, the values, the experiences that are going to help you achieve your goals in 2023. Uh, you can put your job posts in front of minute in minutes in front of millions of member profiles and find those right candidates. It's easy to screen and rate applicants based off of their job qualifications on one platform. It's why businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus their leading competitors linkedin jobs is going to help you find a qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on nfl that's linkedin.com slash locked on nfl to post your job for free terms and conditions apply all right guys so let's get into it jarvis kind of teed it up so let's go right into it i want to go back to in this deep dive a little bit of a conversation not just about caleb mcgarry but jarvis 
I kind of feel like we need to talk about this O-line, particularly Chris Lindstrom. This is a conversation. This is the three of us have been talking locked on sports the last year and a half. And even before that, there's never been conversation about Chris Lindstrom and what was going on. But this is the now this is becoming a commentary. Like this is becoming consistent. We're talking about two false starts at big points in this game for Chris Lindstrom. Jarvis, what in the world is going on with our all world guy? Um, I think, and well, I don't know if I want to go here <laughs> yet, but let me tell you what I'm thinking. I, I'm thinking he may have got a little fat and happy, you know, like he may have started listening to the press a little bit because rewind back to a guy that, that wore the number 45. He was an all world linebacker, speed, running, hit type of guy, all that stuff. And Deion Jones. He was yep. absolutely amazing. And then next thing you know, he get the check cut. Everybody was asking him, yeah, man, you got to pay that dude. He's, he's the next guy. And then next thing you know, we just saw a steady decline of his play. Steady decline of his play. Like until, until he was out of here. Now, I'm not saying that's what's going to happen with Chris Lynch. By no means. I, I feel like I got a good rapport with him or I feel like I know him enough of, of from a from a character standpoint to not accuse him of that but it's certainly what it that's that's really the only explanation that i really can come up with because like i've never seen chris lindstrom get ragdolled like like he did against the tennessee titans i've never seen that before like if people want to go go, to, go back in the film and go try to find it true enough I'll, I'll admit that I was wrong, but I'm not used to seeing him getting dog like that. And then you add on top of that, compound that with the mental mistakes. Like, all start. Like, are we a rookie now? Like, I don't get it. I just don't understand. And twice it. in the same game. Twice in big a big moment. You just got the turnover, and you're lining out. I'm telling y'all, I'm gonna be totally honest with y'all. In my mind, I was like, if Lorenzo Carter doesn't get into this end zone, they're probably not going to score. And, and, and they're not going to score a touchdown. And, and they end up getting the doggone field goal. And it's just it's just so many things that just go through my mind when I see Chris Lindstrom playing like this because I'm not used to it. My expect, He's raised my level of expectation for him. And it's yeah. just really hard to watch a guy like that struggle the way he is. And, and it's so hard to put a finger on it. Well, yeah. Go ahead, Aaron. I was just going to say, like, I don't know if I, I, I think the contract has something to do with it. And I don't know if it's affected Chris Lindstrom, but I think it's put a target on his back that I think, you know, and you, you heard Jeffrey Simmons talking after, you know, he was mic'd up oh, last yeah. week and he was, he was, talking, he, was, he was, he was, he was barking. Yes. And I, I just think a lot of folks are like, they paid him that guy. Okay. I, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to show you that you paid the wrong guy. Right. And, you know, I just think Chris Lindstrom, he's gotten, you know, Jarvis, you said you've never seen him get ragdolled. I feel like that's the fourth or fifth time you said that this season. I've never yep. seen him get ragdolled. We talked yeah. about it with the Derek Brown game in week one. There was a couple of other times this year. So mm -hmm. it, it's one of those things where it's just like it does feel like teams are going after him um, and he's not responding well to it. And then you got the false starts today that certainly – you know, didn't help the Falcons in, in any shape or form. I think right. you might be on to something, Aaron, because 
there's there's one thing to be a quiet, you know, a secret in the NFL, you know, as far as like your your type of play that you come, especially in the offensive line. It's kind of easy for those kind of guys, those guys, those kind of guys kind of hide a little bit. But when we all know how competitive these cats are and about their contracts and about their money, when a guy gets paid though, like, hey, if I ball against this guy, y'all should pay me too, <laughs> you know? So, so I think that you, know, you might be on to something with that one because, yeah, man, we know we all know how competitive this NFL is. Aaron, another, fun, another comment that we've been making or it's more commentary that we've made the last couple of weeks that you and I and Jarvis have not been making the last couple of seasons under Arthur Smith is mental mistakes across the board. Eight penalties, 62 yards may not seem like a big deal, but under Arthur Smith, it, Arthur Smith, it's a huge deal. Aaron, at this point in the, the season, how concerned are you that we're continuing to see what I think are just elementary, basic mistakes that you shouldn't be seeing from a team that has now stacked itself with veterans on both sides of the ball? Yeah, it's a it's a major concern because, and again, we we've been talking about it all week long. You know, like you know, so much is made about the quarterback, right, and the, the quarterback's mistakes, but it does feel like it's not just one guy that's holding this team back. It's all 11 guys that in some shape or form are not performing up to par on a consistent basis. And I think the penalties are a perfect example of, of what we're talking about, where, as you say, Tanisha, like that has not been an issue for this Falcon team really at any point in the Arthur Smith era. There's been like maybe a game or two where it was like, Oh, they were, they were sloppy today because of the penalties or yep. whatever, but it, it does feel like that has been a bigger issue this season. And especially today where it's like, that shouldn't be, you know, that shouldn't be a problem. That that shouldn't be a thing, you know, going up against this Vikings team in, at home where you're getting, you know, like the, the false starts getting multiple, like what, three or four false starts at home, right. you know, like that, that just kind of tells you how discombobulated this offense is. Uh, if they're getting false starts at home. Yeah, I think that's a great point that you make because when you're at home, the thought is you're on your turf, right? You've got the fans behind you and you're looking at the standings and you're kind of watching over your shoulder what the Bucks are doing, kind of watching over your shoulder what the Saints are doing, and you're starting to feel like you're getting in must-win territory. And if you're in must-win territory, clearly you should be able to get that must-win at home as opposed to now we're talking about, what, three losses in the last four games? And we're talking about a Minnesota Vikings team that essentially, hey, they started off with a rookie QB. And after a couple of plays, they had to bring in a guy that's here, what has been on their roster for like all of five days. Hey, you, Josh Dobbs, come make something happen. And yet, you're a team that's been together essentially for half a season. And you're looking like the team that was just kind of cobbled together on offense at times, uh, just five, five days or so ago. And I think those are the things that kind of concern us as well. And the fact that, we're also starting to have another conversation pretty consistently. We're going to bring in some of our comments from our fans as well so that Aaron and Jarvis can react. But another conversation that we've been having is, hey, this defense, and granted, you lose Grady Jarrett and you're dealing with a little bit of a different front, right? But ultimately speaking, we're also looking at a team where, hey, it was almost like clockwork. The defense keeps the other team to 20 points. Opponent scores 20 or less. The Falcons win. The Vikings scored 31 points today 31 points that's crazy so jay harrison crawford says eh, it's the head coach's job to make the millionaire players care i guess that's his comment on us and what we said about chris lindstrom <laughs> yeah. i don't know we i mean 
yeah, partly. Yeah, you got to find, figure out a way to be able to push the right button. Sure, yeah. But at the end of the day, man, like, do your job. Like, don't jump off sides. You know, when you just got to turn over, you're trying to get in the end zone, you know you've been stinking it up in the red zone all doggone year. So that's just mental, mental, mental mistake. The mental mistakes have got to stop. Like, you know, and, and but yeah, but there, Arthur Smith is a part of that too, right? You know, make, calling certain plays, making sure he's reiterating, hey guys, don't jump off sides. Here's what we're going to do. These are the type of things that, you know, we need to do as we get ready to try to get into this end zone because we have to get six points. We have to give our defense something to go off of because at the end of the day, and I've done, I've experienced this myself in college. The defense getting tired at some point. They're going to get tired of this crap. They're going to get tired of, dang, man, we out here doing our thing. We out here figuring out a way to pressure the quarterback, even though we don't have a consistent pass rusher. We out here making plays and, and, and getting turnovers and giving you guys opportunities right there to, to score, yeah. to capitalize, to put the game away because Minnesota is a bad football team. They will have right. all the you able to capitalize on those turnovers, period. So if you aren't able to do that, that is can be so freaking frustrating because that's why I wasn't even really tripping when they gave with that last drive. I was just like, man, they've done all they can do. Right. They've done all they can do. And it's just, yeah. I, and and Aaron, just to go piggyback on what Jarvis said, because I know Jarvis is feeling like right Sunday. Ain't trying to cuss to Right, right. But I mean, but you know what, Jarvis? I think they've pushed a lot of people to the limit and they've just really pushed everybody to the edge because we don't understand. It's almost like Aaron, it's almost like they fell off a cliff compared to what we saw in some critical games where they still played some losers. They just they played some loser build teams early on and they beat the teams that were, they were supposed to beat. This is a beatable team. This is the team they're supposed to be. And listen, although the time of possession shows 31-32 for the Vikings, 28-28 for the Falcons, and I didn't quite all the way tell the story because you get to midway through the fourth quarter and the Vikings have time of possession of like 18 minutes to like, I don't know, it was something like six or seven at that point. And the reason I mentioned that, Aaron, is because it goes back to what Jarvis said. Mentally and physically, a defense gets tired when you're asking them to do that much in the second half, where they are on the field that much in the second half. That's how sometimes you get to a fourth and seven and your defense is like, we just can't stop the guy. And that's how, you know, you see a game kind of slip away as well. Yeah, I mean, you talk about that fourth and seven where Josh Dobbs scrambled for a big gain. And it felt right. like it felt like the, the the two things that killed the Falcons defense in this game was they gave up. They were playing some cover two, and it felt like anytime they played cover two, Dobbs would find that hole because it was a big gain at the end of Addison. There was one that on the, the score right before halftime where it was again Addison, I think TJ Hawkinson or yeah, or no yeah, Madison yeah. had one on the on that first score that they had on um that where Jaron Hall got hurt at the beginning of the game where they got the big play that flip field position. And then you talk about the fourth and seven, and it was like, okay, anytime they played zone and cover two, like they were just finding that hole in the zone to get big plays. And then when they would play man, no one would have eyes on the quarterback and Josh Jobs would do his little magic spinning out of sack, <laughs> you know, breaking tackles in, in the flat and whatnot. And he would just pick up 20 or, or or whatever, how many yards. And so it was like the defense was, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say the defense played great or anything like that, but it was like, 
if they played zone to try to keep eyes on Josh Dobbs, they would give up a big play. If they played man to try to prevent the, the, the big play in coverage, then Josh Dobbs would do so. You didn't have the two sides of the defense married with the front being able to get home to, to pressure the quarterback outside of a, those first couple of drives. And then you didn't have the back end and they were just getting carved up. So it, it was, it was tough to see the defense struggle in that way. And it goes back to something we talked about last year with, with Tennessee, where it was like Tennessee, the, your whole game plan was geared up to stop Derrick Henry. You didn't stop Derrick Henry. And then Will Levis was just hitting those bombs. And so we have now two weeks in a row where it's just, you know, the defense, it, it felt like whatever mojo the defense had, you know, for the first half of the season, it seems like it's, it's starting to run out a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it does. It gets a bit discouraging because you're out there, you're trying your best, guys are going down left and right, and you're clawing, just scraping away, trying to just keep your team in it. But if the team, if the offense can't give you the support that you need, I don't know, it kind of seems like it's all for naught. We're going to talk a little bit more about both sides of the ball and where the Falcons go next in rapid fire. But first, I'm going to tell you guys a little bit about FanDuel. All right, guys, listen. FanDuel is probably not the place you want to go if you are a Falcons fan right about now because you're probably scratching your head on what you'll be able to do. But you can go other places to score early this NFL season using America's number one sportsbook, and that is FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet, which is the coolest thing. It's $150 if your team wins. Whatever team that might be, but it's $150 for your team if you win. And hey, who couldn't use 150 free bucks right now? So you've been thinking about FanDuel. Don't think anymore. It's time to take action. It's an easy app to use. And if you're like me, you want it easy with your apps. That's a wide range of betting options that they give you, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on throughout this NFL season. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on because FanDuel is the official partner of the NFL. All right, guys, we're going to keep it as Jarvis would say, funky. We're going to keep it real, and we're going to tell the truth right here in this rapid fire and shame the devil because what the heck did we see today in this 31 to 28 loss that the Falcons endured from the Vikings? But real talk, Jarvis, there's some decisions that have to be made, maybe some head-scratching decisions, maybe some food-for-thought decisions, maybe some look-at-the-tape overnight decisions, and we'll find out what goes on this Wednesday. Last, last Monday it was, Jarvis, Arthur Smith told us all as media, hey, We'll evaluate what happened on Sunday. We'll let you guys know by Wednesday who's going to be starting under center. We got Taylor Heineke, and we got him the whole game. And we're not sure if that was the right move, but we're not sure what the next right move is going to be. Where do you stand on two things, Jarvis? And Aaron, I want to hear from you next, too. Number one, was it the right decision to go with Taylor Heineke this entire game? And number two, do you see a possibility or a probability of Arthur Smith going back to Desmond Ritter for next game? Um, to answer the question, I, I feel like, yeah, I feel like it was the right decision. I'm not, I'm not a hindsight 2020 guy. I thought it was the right decision to go with it because you had a guy who had, as far as, albeit a small sample size, you know, he was leading the league in turnovers in that small sample size, right? You know, we're not talking about a whole season, you know, to be able to evaluate and all that stuff. Like within the season, he just turned the football over too much. Now, Taylor Haneke. He made some turnover-worthy throws, and then, and then in the fourth quarter, the Vikings finally were finally able to take advantage of that. I, I did feel like there were some times where the offense was kind of moving around, but 
as far as who can be the quarterback next week, I look at it like this. If they aren't able to get situated up front, it don't matter who's at quarterback. Because like I said, <laughs> to start this doggone show, this offense looks ragged when it, they aren't able to run the football. It's just it just doesn't have any type of flow to it or anything like that. When they when in that last drive, like Aaron mentioned, it was supposed to be the game winning drive. Like they were able to run the football and they were just like, We're gonna run the ball and we're gonna run it to the right side of our off highly paid offensive line. And you guys better dog on block. And that's what happened. And I think that however they need to tap into that, um, that they need to tap into it. They need to figure out how to tap into that for the entire game. And and to be honest with you, it don't really matter who's at quarterback at this point. Yeah, I, I share the same sentiments. I, I was not in favor of the move to switch the quarterbacks because um, I felt like it was just a lateral move. And I don't think Taylor Heineke did anything today to suggest that I was wrong with that opinion. Now, what you know, is Arthur Smith going to go back to Desmond Ritter next week? Probably not. I think if he's, you know, we, you know, I don't know, but I, I figure he'll he'll run it. You know, he'll, he'll go to Heineke again next week, and then if he if he feels like he needs to go back to Ritter. He'll wait till after the buy or, or something like that. But I, I agree with Jarvis. Like, like I said, it's a lateral move. Like the, the problem isn't the. I mean, like the quarterback play has not been great this year. I, I don't think anybody's been pretending that it is. It's been mediocre at best. But the other issue, I think, the Falcons, the bigger issue with the Falcons is the rest of the team and the rest of the offense has been mediocre at best. Um, and they, we got some, we got some glimpses of some positive thing again. You know, you got some some explosives from from Jonu Smith. You got a big play from him. You know, you got the run game going late in the game. So it's like if we can get more of that, like, you know, again, it doesn't matter who the quarterback is. If you get more of that stuff where you can throw a screen pass and get a 60 yard touchdown, you know, um, if you can avoid the penalties, if you can avoid the fumbles, you know, if you can run the ball in the red zone, all that stuff like it doesn't matter who the quarterback is. Right. You know, the Falcons often should be effective. So I feel like those are the issues that the Falcons need to need to deal with. And, you know, that to me is the bigger issue that Arthur Smith needs to be answering questions on rather than who's the starting quarterback, which obviously is going to get all the attention. But ultimately, I, like, you know, I'm, I'm much more worried about the other 10 guys than I am the quarterback. And Jarvis, I know we'll talk a little bit more about this on Monday's edition of the Atlanta Football Party. But before we wrap up, I just wanted to ask maybe for one positive that you saw today that maybe the Falcons can build on as they get prepared for the Cardinals. Like I think it, I think it's like the the key to them getting the win next week is that running game, that last drive. Like that was so refreshing to watch. Be able to say that you know. Every, Pretty much everyone knew that they were going to run the ball at, at that point, especially when they start, you know, uh, getting those first downs, especially on that third and three. Like for them to run the ball on third and three and get a first down, like I'm just like, yes, that's that's the identity of this team. So yeah, that if I can if I can pull one positive, <laughs> that won't make my blood pressure go up. You know, uh, I could definitely say seeing them watching them run the ball in that in that last in that um the, the Touchdown scoring drive was pretty cool to watch. All right, Free, I'm going to ask you to go into your happy place for a moment, too. 
was one takeaway, one positive takeaway that maybe the Falcons can build on as they start to or attempt to reset to get ready for the Cardinals next week. Well, I guess my happy place is the same as Jarvis because that, that I, I got the same one. This is like, A, that last drive was like, this is the Falcons offense I haven't seen really show up at all this year. And I, I want to see more of that. And I, I guess, to, to again, shout out to Jonu getting a 60-yard touchdown on that cover zero blitz, you know. Haven't seen that since Julio did it against the Eagles a couple of years ago. So I'm like, hey, hey, someone, someone, someone's making explosive plays in this offense. So, and, and Kadero Hodge, hey, you, you did, you did your thing. Like, Kadero Hodge, you know, any, any, anytime Kadero Hodge sees zone coverage, like this man is money. Like, you know, I was joking with the Locked On Falcons subtext insiders. I was like, Kadero Hodge versus zone coverage is Justin Jefferson versus any coverage. Like, he was looking good today. So, um, uh, th- that's a positive. That's a positive. That, yeah. that connect that Heineke Hodge connection. If we get more of Heineke, that's something to look forward to. And they didn't really miss Drake London today. That's that's a positive yeah. that you know. The fact the that we didn't that have that conversation. You're right. This offense could be better with Drake London in it. That they the fact that they were able to look all right. You know, the thing that held them back were, was not the wide receivers not being able to get open. It was all the other stuff with the offense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If Kadero Hodge is trending in the absence of a Drake London, that is definitely not a bad thing. And listen, guys, we started today. We felt some type of way. Maybe we'll feel a little bit differently about it tomorrow, but the only way you're going to know that is if you check us out on the Atlanta football party on Monday. So again, we appreciate you guys not just stopping by here, but hanging out with us on the Locked On Sports Network overall. You know where to check us out on the YouTube channel. And we appreciate you as always coming out by Locked On Falcons Postcast. We hope you guys are able to pause for 24 hours, come back. Maybe you've had a time or a chance to think about it and you can talk it over with Jarvis Davis, Aaron Freeman, Tori McElhaney, and me. So you guys have try to have a good Sunday despite it all. We'll see you tomorrow.